Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm so excited to have you here with us on this fine Tuesday. Our show today is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos, you want to experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Make sure you visit Sonos.com to learn more. On today's show, we get you set for Duke and Florida State tonight in Tallahassee. The final time Mike Krzyzewski will walk into uh, Florida State to take on the Seminoles and Leonard Hamilton and it uh, should be a fun contest on our program. I'm going to be thrilled to be joined by Drizzy Drake, a colleague of mine, with the Locked On Podcast Network, as uh, you can listen to Locked On Seminoles, and he's also a colleague of mine with Locked On ACC. So, uh, Drake, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, JJ. Just, you know, chilling. I just drove back down from Orlando. You know, I'm stoked to be here, talk a little bit of FSU basketball and learn a little bit more about, uh, about, about a little bit more about Duke. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get ready. Let's get both our fan bases ready for this game. I'm expecting a fun one for sure. Both teams uh, coming into the contest being – sort of the premier program, so to speak, over the last couple of years. And I do want to focus a little bit on Coach K's final season right out of the gates here. Leonard Hamilton, another elder statesman of the conference. He's been at his position for quite some time. But uh, for you, watching from the outside looking in, what's it kind of been like knowing that this is going to be it for Coach K? It's interesting, man, because quite frankly, I don't think we've ever seen someone have such a profound impact on not only the collegiate level, but I guess the sport of basketball as a whole in general with Coach K. And I'm not I'm not particularly his biggest fan, primarily because I have seen those where if, even though the losing game you know, last year was the Evansville game where he kind of, you know, gives this is a teaching moment. But it's really good to see how he's been able to actually produce high quality talent each, each and every single year. And you, you, you always hear former players you know, bring out the best in Coach K. And it's quite frankly, it's going to be sad to see him go. And it's kind of funny because he's 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 out. He's going to be out. Roy Williams, you know, like retired probably at the end of the year. So Coach Ham was going is going to be that next guy to step up. And it is kind of funny how we're playing a blue blood now in Duke, and we consider ourselves a new blood. And now it kind of gets me to wonder as well how like how many more years does Coach Ham have left in him? But it's going to be sad to see Coach K go. Isn't that funny? It's like one of those moments where, as you said, it was April Fools. It was April first, twenty twenty one when we learned that Roy Williams would step away and that ultimately kind of sped up the process for Duke fans. When is coach K going to walk away? We had to wait a few months until the summer before he made his announcement. And then, yeah, you're right. You look at the conference, it's Leonard Hamilton and then it's Jim Beheim who's got Hamilton by a couple of years. I guess those are going to be the two premier guys who have been there for quite some time in the ACC. It is interesting with that because like Jim Bay, I thought Jim Bayham honestly would leave before anybody else. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, because Roy, I mean, you see the way you know he's celebrating victories and then you know dance in the locker room. You see the little <laughs> yeah. kids with there. Coach K, I, he's a fire person. I think he just found out that you know it's time, it's time now. Like to me, I thought it was gonna be like Nick Saban coach till like I don't know, he's a hundred. And then yo, know, Coach Ham, it's funny because I think he looks younger than me, and he's like I think he's like double my, age. it's like triple my age at this point now. It's gonna be really fun to see kind of like see how they're gonna be stepping forward, and then you have Chris Mack at Louisville, who I think is still trying to make a little bit more noise with that program. So I think the AC is in really good hands with this, this new crop of coaching coaches that are coming up. Yeah, for sure. And then we haven't even mentioned Tony Bennett, who technically yeah. won the most recent national championship for the conference back in 2019 there at Virginia. So uh, gonna be interesting to see the league move forward. All right, so. 
let's scout the Seminoles and then uh, let the Florida State people that might be listening to this podcast from from following your work and that sort of thing learn a little bit more about Duke and, and we'll close it out by kind of giving some final thoughts going into tonight's game. Again, it's Duke and Florida State, 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Duke at 14-2 and two and Florida State at 10-5 and five on the season. The Seminoles are winners of three straight, including a win this past weekend up in New York against Syracuse. Tell me a little bit about that game, Drake. It was interesting, to be honest with you. We, I was speaking with Kansas on Friday because that's typically when I'm on the show, and I thought that we should have beat uh, Syracuse by about 10 points. And because primarily the early in the season, we were having shooting struggles, primarily because for some reason our main shooters would being Anthony Polite, one of our wings, as well as Wyatt Wilkes hat, were not connecting all whatsoever. It comes to half, it's about 37, 36. And for some reason, for the first time, I think since last year, I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm calm. I'm cool and collected. And they were able to see you know, the young guns like a Matthew Cleveland, a Cameron Fletcher, a Jalen Worley. And finally, Wyatt Wilkes kind of showed up a little bit with the shooting power. So it was, it was really to see that the young guns and the depth of our actually bench kind of showing up and showing up for the entire game itself, which has been a staple with um, Coach Ham, where he, I think we've had the past three consecutive years for six man of the year. And we always played about 10 deep. So to me, that was the first time we played big boy basketball, a complete game. And that was a really nice win after a really tough, tough, like close game that we actually did squeak out a little bit. I'll be on a very iffy foul call in our own favor, which I will admit against Miami a few days before. So we're getting set for tonight's game between Duke and Florida State. And I'm thinking back to some of these memories of Duke and Florida State games and memories past. And I want to talk about some of those in just a little bit. But you mentioned Florida State now four and two in the ACC I thought they would be much better than they've shown so far this season. A couple of oh, you, me both. you know what I'm saying? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just uh, from my outside looking in and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, I just, I was expecting a little bit more from this Florida state team, but then earlier in the week, they had the game versus Miami. Miami's coming off a high of coming into Cameron indoor stadium and defeating Duke and Florida state was able to walk away with a one point victory when they're winning games. What is Florida state doing? Well, we're actually being able to back up our defense. Our defense has always been, I think since Coach Ham got there, something that's stingy, something that you know requires you to actually, you know, slow down a little bit and be able to kind of out-physical them. And just our shooting has always been a problem for some reason. And one thing that we always say when it comes to the Florida State team is we are so prone to these scoring droughts that just feel like eternity. And then for the losses, like I think remember at the beginning of the year, we lost to Florida. I don't think we scored for like seven minutes straight in that game. <laughs> against, against Purdue, we got blown out. Same thing with South Carolina. Same thing with, um, I think it was Syracuse uh, a few days before that too as well. Our shooting, I think, percentage, I think for all three of those losses, I think was below 30%. And that's not from three. That's just from anywhere on the damn floor. So to me, in all these ones that we've seen, we've been able to see these deeper players like on the bench, whether it be a Cameron Fletcher, a Matthew Cleveland, a Jalen Warley, or it could be Caleb Mills, you know, someone that you know that has actually been able to not only score – but be efficient with their scoring and not lead to bad turnovers. Our defense is, is right up there with the best of them. If, and all of our wins I've seen this year, it's our shooting has actually been able to fulfill that because we're a young team. And not only that, we don't have really a true center right now. Tanner Angam got hurt earlier on in the season. So to me, it's been really difficult with a Malik Osborne, who is extremely athletic. He's a big guy. I call him the Garnet Goblin because he gets really good air. But to me, it's been very hard to play that big ball basketball. But on most of our wins, it's been shooting that matches our defense. So the Stuke team has been one that over the years, Coach K has become the guy with John Calipari in the sport when it comes to one and done every year for opposing fan bases. I can't imagine the challenges it is for them to be like, okay, who's that playing for Duke now? Which top guy is this? 
playing for them and that sort of thing. Florida State winners of the ACC regular season title several times in the past few years. I kind of have that opinion, though, Dre, of the Florida State team as well, because not only have you had a couple of guys, uh, the, the Scotty Barnes of the world or whoever it may be, that really surprise folks and make it to the next level, but other times you're having transfers come in and make instant impact and that sort of thing. Leonard Hamilton, his roster turnover is is at a very high level, but the success for the most part in his program never dips. It's so weird, man, because I remember my freshman year was 2011, and that was the year I want to say we beat UNC and beat Duke for to win the conference um, tournament. Uh-huh. And I, was, I remember I was driving back up from spring break, you know, from my – I lived down here in Miami. And literally, I think we did – like the next the next two years, we made the NIT. But then we had a – whether it be a Devin Vassell, a Patrick Williams, a Scotty Barnes. We also had Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest. It's really weird to see how Ham has been able to now kind of say, hey, I am the one of the few coaches in the country that will help you with your defense as well. And that was the one big kind of allure that brought in Scotty Barnes. That's why we brought in Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Warren. That's why we were, we were in on Anthony Edwards, I want to say, two years ago. So, And then he's also able to supplement them with transfer pickups, like you said, like Caleb Mills right now, the first two-point guy we have had since Terrence, man. It's just wonderful to see that. And it's just, it speaks to how deep this his teams always are. You never, ever see any player, I think, have more than maybe 20 something minutes sorry not 20 more than about 10 to 11 minutes because we're constantly rotating kids out we're constantly having you know somebody else go out there and it's also strange to see that i think out of all of our starters i think four out of the five are always six six or six seven and above which is absolutely absurd when it comes to length and that's why we play such great defense so it speaks a lot to cam how he's able to mold the team in the image that he wants to see and it's always a successful thing and it kind of brings up how, how we become a new blood so quickly in the past eight years. And that's something I never thought would ever happen while I was doing there. But you don't mind it, right? Like you- Hell no, man. I, call, <laughs> I need it, man. I love it. I love it, man. It's, it's just a fun time. Tell me about a little bit of, uh, as we're talking about Florida State, we'll take a break here in a moment and then talk a little bit more about Duke and then uh, in segment number three today, uh, take a deeper look at tonight's game coming up. But we talk about uh, the Donald Tucker Center there. Tell me about the in-game environments and sort of how you've seen that change and evolve over the years. It's really interesting because I remember the Tuck is one of the older, I guess, buildings actually in the city. And it's something that I personally think that needs to have a little, little bit of renovating done. But since I was doing there and then I went back there as an alumni, it's good. They get, it, gets, it gets packed. It gets loud, man. It feels like an actual basketball arena like in there. Like to, before, like when I was over there my freshman year, it was a little more dead. The only big game thing we had going there was UNC, was the Duke, the big blue bloods that would come down. And it's something to, to hear because it's a little bit different than going to Doe Campbell, the football stadium, primarily because the way the war changes reverberates around the entire arena now with the full you know, cast out there, it's kind of a harrowing environment. And I can definitely, you definitely see it in some of the smaller teams that we played actually out there, it kind of gets them a little bit more. And it's also, it's a lot more intimate than most basketball arenas out there. So it's going to be a really fun time. I remember the Duke game of, I think, two years ago with uh, Zion Williams and RJ Barrett, that game. You can tell at the beginning of that game, they got a little more riled than I actually thought they would. Y'all squeaked out at the end of there well, on a very, very uh, – that was a clutch shot. I think it was either yeah. Cam Reddish. I think it was Cam Reddish or RJ Barrett. Yep. Yeah, it was Cam. And, like, he – but you can see, like, it got to those kids. So, it's – Paolo Banchero, it's going to be his first time going, in, going there. It's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to that. It is. And we'll see what it looks like. Duke has won five straight versus Florida State, and they're on quite a big run all time. Uh, Duke 40 wins in the series to just 10 – for FSU, so that's not that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Look for for from the Duke perspective, we're hopeful that Mike Shashevsky can go into the tuck one final time and walk out on a high note. But we know that every school that he plays against this season, it's going to be amazing to say the last time you played Coach K, you were able to beat them. We'll see what happens later tonight. Let's take a quick break. 
Bet Online would like to wish you a very happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Locked On Blue Devils today, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Jersey Drake from Locked On Seminoles. Uh, I'm on the Tuesday show of Locked On ACC. Drake is on the Friday show, uh, Drizzy Fridays, there with uh, Candace Cooper at Locked On ACC. We talk all things football and men's basketball, a lot of love for women's hoops uh, this time of year as well. So uh, that's where you can catch a lot of our work. As we talk more about this Duke and Florida State matchup here, 2021-2022, you mentioned one of the guys that's going to be up there for the number one overall pick in Paolo Bencaro. Uh, tell me else what other questions you've got about Duke going into uh, the game, Drake. I kind of want to ask you about like, how does it feel for this to coach K to be kind of his final ride? Cause like I, and I think you always, John Shire's going to be the, is the head coach in way right. he's going to be taking over the mantle there. Like, how does that kind of feel? Cause you, I mean, most of your listeners and yourself have been, have had coach K as your head coach for your entire lives. Exactly. So I, I kind of want to know like, how does that feel knowing that like, we went through a similar situation I want to say 15 years ago, Bob Bowden. So I kind of want to know what is your fan base going through right now with that? I think a lot of people are kind of curious to see what it's going to look like when he's not there anymore. A level of shock. I think that, as we mentioned earlier, with Roy Williams announcing that he was going to retire uh, back on April 1st of 2021 and not have another season to lead up to it. I, for one, am grateful for the farewell tour because I'm just sitting there thinking, if you told me all of a sudden that Coach K is just done and we had no chance to say goodbye, I would be hurt. As you mentioned, I'm 26 years old. Coach K's been there for 42 years. So, yes, my entire lifetime. I don't know what that's going to look like. I do know already that in the class of 2022, John Shire already has the number one recruiting class, and there is no other class that could be together to top that. That's never happened before in the history of the sport that a coach in waiting is going to walk in with the number one recruiting class. He's already got the number one class right now in 2023. So it looks like positive things are going to continue. But uh, for me right now, man, I'm just celebrating every moment that we have Coach K over there on the sideline because he truly is a legend. And I don't know that we'll fully appreciate him until he has stepped away. And then I kind of want to, like, you know, I guess piggyback off of that one, too. Like, what do you feel about about John Shire being the one named as his replacement? Because it'd be kind of interesting to see if you go out for someone else. Like, oh, I forgot the name of the guy from Texas Tech that you went – was it Chris Beer? Like, someone along like, – a kind of higher profile name that kind of proved it already at the Power 5 level. Would you have rather gone that route, or would you actually like to pick up John Shire being your head coach? I've definitely talked myself into the John Shire deal. I think the, the, you know, that was something that we've always talked about when someone's been there for 42 years. And uh, you mentioned the Bowden years there at FSU, you're certainly going to think about, okay, who's the successor, who's going to be after him. And I think people wanted there to be a Duke connection while it was going to be the most popular job in America when it became open, who was going to replace coach K. I think he wanted it to be one of his guys. And I mean, the guy has coaches all across the country who were former coaches of his. You look in the conference alone, Mike Bray at Notre Dame came from the Mike, uh, Coach K coaching tree, Jeff Capel at Pitt. 
uh, over there. Steve Wojciechowski recently at Marquette, Chris Collins at Northwestern. Like he's got guys out there. Tommy Amaker at Harvard was a name that was very popular. Johnny Dawkins at UCF there in your state. Um, so he's got guys that definitely were in the running to take over the job. But the idea of John Shire getting to sit beside him in his final year and recruit, knowing he'll be there the next year. Otherwise, I think you would have seen more of a turnover. The way they set it up now, like I just said, bro, they have the number one class. Are you kidding me? That's like a dream come true that when your new coach comes in, he's got the number one recruiting class. Yeah, trust me, I wanted the football, and that didn't happen at all. So, trust <laughs> me. so you know, blessings for you. So then I want to ask outside of Paolo Bunchero, because we all know how great that kid is. That, yeah. man is. that man is a sickle on the court. I want to know who should FSU fans actually like, should be worried about, you know, actually besides him, which should be a Wendell Moore, because that's someone I've seen a lot of Frank. I think for the Frank Keels thing, it's the other freshman too. Trevor Keels, yeah. Trevor Keels, sorry. And then so who else should FSU actually be looking forward to, to, to hear their name a lot come like, Tuesday? Yeah, uh, definitely Wendell Moore Jr. is the leader, the captain of the team, a junior, so an upperclassman for this team, uh, averaging about 15 points, five rebounds, five assists on the season for Duke, kind of gets them in their sets out of Charlotte, North Carolina. A uh, really fun player to watch. Trevor Keels, as you mentioned, is another guard uh, at about 6'4", 230. He is a bulldozer out there on the wing, gets to the rim. Uh, Gary, was that – who's the FSU player I'm thinking of in years past? Gray. Uh, oh, Raekwon Gray. Raekwon Gray. I get kind of Trevor – the body type. It's kind oh, of okay. Between Trevor Keels and Raekwon Gray is kind of the comparison that I, that I think of from time to time. And then uh, Mark Williams on the inside coming off an eight-block game at seven-foot-one. Okay. I don't need to mention Florida State centers over the years because there are a million of them, and it feels mm-hmm. like every year, Dre, your entire team is made of six-foot-eleven dudes. <laughs> but, uh, but Mark Williams is someone on the interior that's going to make his presence felt. It needs to have a big game if Duke wants to win. It's funny you say that because I remember I was listening to another podcast and like they were interviewing Coach Ham and Coach Ham had a phone call. I think it was from a recruit and he put the phone down and he's like, he's like, who was it? Oh, it's a kid, you know, but he's below, he's, he's shorter than six five, so I can't answer the phone. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing, I'm not handling that right now. I mean, that's apparently what happened. I guess hilarious. Um, but I think, I guess another question when I was like, what should what should FSU do to exploit? I guess Duke's like, what are your weaknesses that we need to kind of take advantage of? We want us to clear this game because I I have this game right now that. I think Duke should be fair when Bayline's open around maybe five, maybe six points. So I kind of want to know what should FSU fans like that should be looking forward that we should be doing uh, heading into the game time. Yeah, playing on the road, it's definitely going to be tough for Duke. Like I said, Florida State has always been a tough place to go and play. I think that I, I asked you about the tuck earlier. As a Duke fan, I hate it because it just feels so loud. That it's just so much. Oh, it's deafening, man. It's deafening. deafening. You know what I'm saying? And so it just – and I feel like I have bad memories over the years of losing games – um, there at uh, against the Seminoles. But in terms of what to exploit, you've got to play aggressive defense. I think that's the, what Miami was able to do. Charlie Moore for the Hurricanes had seven steals, and as a team, Miami had 15 of them versus mm-hmm. Duke. That's one of the highest totals ever against the Coach K team and knocking down shots from the outside. I know you mentioned a couple of the shooters coming into their own this past week versus Syracuse, which is good when you're going against that zone. If you can knock down shots – and you turn it into a three-point contest versus Duke, that's not their greatest strength. They've got more athletic ball handlers that love to get the rim. They can knock down shots from the outside, but if you tried to turn it into a three-point contest, I think Florida State would be in the best position to win. I'm going to clip that since Anthony Polite and I'll why it was. <laughs> we definitely need those shooters. I think my last question, I think, we're, that we're all thinking of, 
Because I know last year was not a good year for Duke fan for Duke basketball overall. Right. Do you think if the year turned out differently, like say, you know, winning games, heading into March Madness, actually going to the tournament, doing well, do you think last year, because I had much more success that last year could have been Coach K's, you know, final actually last ride and kind of gone off into sunset, like the, similar to the way Roy Williams did? Or do you think that he kind of wanted this farewell tour to kind of like soak it all in and kind of like this is my last official time here? Definitely the latter. I think that's what he was setting up for. I, I think there are a variety of different reasons why Duke wasn't great. I mentioned earlier, uh, being 26 years old, I say this a lot on my podcast. And so if I've got some some Seminoles listeners, they haven't heard this before, but the last time Duke did not make the NCAA tournament prior to this past season was March of 1995. I came into the world in November of 1995. So my entire existence when an NCAA tournament was played, Duke was in it. And so that was so surreal for them not to be a part of the field this past year. They had so many games canceled. Their COVID-19 policies were just so, so, so over the top compared to many other schools in the conference and that sort of thing. And so uh, that led to some cancellations and some difficult play and that sort of thing. But no, I think Coach K wanted to be able to kind of not selfishly be celebrated, although I'm sure there's a level to it. Look, no one's had more wins. He's earned it, man. He deserves it. Yeah, have your victory lap, man. Give him flowers. It's awesome. Um, But I do think that he loves the idea of how he set it up. Like I said, that John Shire's got the number one recruiting class in the country and that the coach in waiting sitting right beside him. Okay. I think that's – I don't really have anything anymore. I love it. I love it. Let's uh, let's take one more break then, and then we'll get to uh, the final segment here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar here in January. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar into your plan. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, as most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You're making the best decision when you choose Built Bar. Awesome flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, and many more. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. Final segment here today of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Drizzy Drake from Locked On Seminoles, getting set for Duke in Florida State, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, a Tuesday night ACC matchup. Duke has won nine straight games. I want to think back to some of the most recent games that have been played. And uh, the not, I think it was three games ago in 2019, you mentioned it a moment ago, but Cam Reddish, had the open three-pointer. That was the last time Duke played in Tallahassee. And it's funny, the internet wanted that video to resurface this past weekend because we reached the anniversary of it taking place. But also, Cam Reddish was traded to the New York Knicks. So now he's been reunited with his former Duke teammate, R.J. Barrett, who inbounded the ball to him for that play to take place. What do you remember from that shot? How devastated were you when that ball went in? Oh, dude, I lost so much money when I was gambling on it. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, I thought we had that game in the bag. I was like, wow, we actually could. I remember, I think we had the lead at half, actually, like a decent, solid lead. And then I forgot who was out, actually, on a way to one of our players, I like, go out. 
And then y'all just went on a monstrous run. And it was just, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I remember being, it was 2019. So it was my, it was my last year of law school. I'm sitting down on my friend's couch, actually at their apartment. And I'm like, oh, he's going to make this shot. I knew actually before he even like said, but I'm like, oh no, too much room, too much room. Cause I, I, I've been worried about him particularly actually from the three point line. Cause he is devastating from that, from that arc. And I, when I saw that ball go, I was like, nope, it's in. And then literally I was, as you said, just, utterly devastated because that would have been a huge win for that actually entire squad. No, for sure. And, and just thinking about the great games, it feels like every time Duke and Florida state play, I don't know if you kind of feel this way. I just always feel like it's a game that goes down to the wire. It's so close. It's so close. close. It's not good for my heart, man. I ain't gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two times ago. So that was the last time Duke went to the tuck. The time before that was a top 10 matchup early in ACC play. Florida State won by 16, and to sort of refresh your memory there, Xavier Rathan Mays had 21 points, and Bacon had 16, and Duke wasn't able to do a whole lot. That was Jason Tatum's uh, one year at Duke with Luke Kennard and uh, and that bunch for the Blue Devils. God, I I haven't heard XRM. I haven't heard that name in years. Actually, Dwayne Bacon actually met him a few times. He was probably a player that I thought actually could have taken FSU all the way. He was one of those first blue chip recruits. I think it was XRM was on that team. I want to say Jonathan Isaac, I think, was the year before. I think he had left or he might have been the, on the team that year for his final year. So I, that seemed – that was a that was a start set of a team that actually probably underperformed for a lot of those expectations. So actually that probably, that Duke win was probably the highlight of that season. So – and then let me remind you of one more, one of the last trips uh, that you mentioned. You were a student during these days mm-hmm. uh, when Florida State defeated Duke. Duke was number one in the country and lost to the Florida State Seminoles. Derwin Kitchen – was the leading scorer with 22 points. And then Chris Singleton had 18 for Florida State in that game as well. And that was 2011? Yes. Yeah, I remember because I remember my uh, pledge brother, actually, I think was a freshman on that team. His name was Ian Miller. I think he was the point guard, I think, two years after that. And he, he played a little bit of a role in that game. And that was just – that was the first time, actually, I think I would watch that game. Like, wow, that actually probably was one of my first FSU basketball games that I had actually watched because – up until that point, I think it was football, football, football. Right. And in my household, you know, I'm the first generation Latin American, we all in my house, it strictly was baseball and soccer. I went to college for the first, you know, away from home about seven and a half hours from Tallahassee to Miami. And I'm like, wow, this is, it's a little bit of a different feel. It kind of was first introduced me to that sort of feeling, you know, you take down Goliath because I, I knew who Duke was before I went up here. So it was, it was basically, that was a, that was a fun time uh, for FSU fan base. Florida State wins tonight if they do what, Drake? Your final thoughts. They win the game if what happens? If we make our damn shots. And I know that I know that's a really simple way to say that because it's basketball. But, folks, for those of you that don't know, FSU, to start the year out, we were a piss-poor shooting team. And it all, it all came down to high volume, but not, not making any buckets. Caleb Mills is someone that we brought up several times on the, poc- uh, um, on the podcast here. We're bringing up a lot on Seminoles. First-year point guard a long time. The issue is that he does take about 13 to 15 shots. Right. And he maybe makes about six of them, maybe five. And that's something that's fine with him. He's a volume shooter. I'm fine with that. But you need to supplement that with, you know, your Anthony Polite, your, your Wyatt Wilch. You need – or Matthew Cleaner or Cameron Fletcher. You need who need to hit their three shots, their threes. And that's something that we've had a huge issue with. And also, which we saw, I think, in the past few games, which we've been able to skate by a little bit, our free throw string has been very bad. So, to me particularly, I need to see this team keep the same intensity on defense. But also, we just need to hit our damn threes and not live by the three and die by the three. Because if we're down by about eight – with maybe about 15 minutes left, 12 minutes left in the second quarter, I would, second half, I would not be surprised if you see this team kind of fold a little bit. I'm looking forward to it tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, Duke and Florida State. It's been a whole lot of fun. 
I can't wait to have the Locked On Seminoles crew back on Locked On Blue Devils again sometime soon. Duke's got a new football coach uh, and Mike Elko take it over. So hopefully we'll become more relevant and more of a topic of conversation. Uh, Cause I know you guys, hey, that's a, that's a good hire. I actually like Elko a lot. Actually. That's a good hire. I think. Okay. Well, I love hearing that then we've been, uh, we've been pretty excited about it as well. So uh, give me one final plug for locked on Seminoles. And then where can I find your work? Drake? Uh, you can follow me at tally underscore underscore Drake. You can follow my co-host at Max Moody 17. I'll give you my other co-host's handle, but it's like FSU. I think Knowles with a zero as the O and the five as the uh, S. You can follow the podcast at L underscore Seminoles and also at Knowles Anonymous. That's our community discord where we engage with fans, get fan mail and everything else. And I think always is where uh, fans first, people second, and content creators third. And uh, go Knowles and hopefully let's get, this dub, let's get this dub tonight. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. What a fun episode it was of Lockdown Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. Make sure you check out the Locked On ACC podcast each and every day of the week. That'll do it. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Good day.